it confirms that we have taken God at his word. We have believed him we, and we release uh, the power of his word to work in our lives, uh, which establishes the reality of that word. As such, um, it confirms that when God's word is sent, that is when it is released by the believer and spoken in faith, that it does not return to God void, but it accomplishes the purpose for which it is sent. It does not return to us void, hallelujah, but it accomplishes the purpose for which it is sent and prospers in that thing. We are actually told that in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11, amen. So for this reason, Proverbs, uh, chapter 10 and verse 11 tells us that the mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. And since the word of God is life, remember Jesus said in John 663, um, the end of that verse there says, the word that I speak to you is spirit and it is life. So the word of God is life. Amen. And as we obey, as we do, as we confess the word, more life is added on to our life, amen, which then becomes a well of life to us. And God uses that to also become a blessing to others. So the mouth of the righteous man is a well of life. God states that in Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 11. So to really understand uh, God's spoken word, we have to grasp the idea that nothing in this world is permanent or set or, or certain. On the other hand, the word of God stands forever, amen. Uh, in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 35, there are actually several verses that uh, we will find that in the different gospels. But if we turn to Matthew 24, 35, we see that Jesus himself says that heaven and earth shall pass away, but that his words shall not pass away, amen. So the, the word temporal speaks of something that is subject to change, amen? Uh, and that includes all the things that we can physically see, hear, touch, or smell. Um, but the things that are not seen, um, the Bible tells us are eternal. And we are going to turn to that uh, scripture in a minute um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verses 17 and 18. We are going to read that. But uh, the Bible tells us that the things which are not seen, are not seen that they are eternal. 
And these speak of the promises of God in his word. They stand and prevail no matter what is going on in the world around us. Amen. So I said that we would turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's look at um, the last, well, let, let's, go, let's read the last part of, um, let's see. Okay, let's go ahead and read both, 17 and 18. Amen. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen. In other words, we are to keep our eyes on the word. We are to see our lives and the situations on this life, of this life with spiritual eyes instead of just our natural eyes. So God's word is spirit and life. Amen. And his promises are the eternal things that we need to be focusing on. You see over here in verse 17, this is the apostle Paul speaking. He says that his, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So you see, he's looking beyond the affliction. Amen. And if we, we don't have time for that tonight, but if we were to go back and read the, the afflictions, the persecution that the apostle Paul went through for him to say our light affliction. Uh, I mean, to me, uh, they are far from light. He has he suffered greatly for the sake of the gospel, but because he had his eyes focused on what is eternal, on the, the, the glory that is to come, he calls it light. And he explains why. He says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, amen, with the naked eye, for the things which are seen with our natural eyes are temporal, meaning they don't last, amen, they will change, but the things which are not seen, they are eternal, amen. And so we know that God's word will stand and prevail no matter what is going on around us. Praise God. And because you know everything in the natural realm is subject to change. Only God's promises are, are the eternal things that we should be focusing on uh, rather than focus on the challenges. Uh, God wants us to look at his word, at his promises, because this is what is certain, amen. So as we look around, our natural eyes um, may see problems for which we may have no solution on our own or this natural world, world does not offer any solution. And so this is really the message that we are receiving from the natural realm that 
you know, there are no answers that we are to look no further because the world can offer us anything more. But you see, when we look at God's promises in the Bible, there is a totally um, different picture. Let's assume that it has to do with um, some health challenge. Well, the truth of the matter is that we are not fighting to get healed because the word of God tells us that by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed, amen? In Isaiah 53, we are told that by the stripes of Jesus, that we are healed. And 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, he, he, Peter gets the revelation that if Jesus has already died for us, for our sin, he's, and he healed us on the cross, then we were healed, amen? So he says in 1 Peter 2, verse 24, who that is Jesus, his own self, bear our sins on his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Hallelujah. So we have been healed, and if we have been healed, then we are indeed healed. Amen. So again, um, actually our fight is not to get healed, but it is actually because we are already healed. And our responsibility is to release what Jesus has already provided, which as we look at the word of God, it's he has released everything that we will ever need. We are blessed with all spiritual blessing, blessings, all of them. Hallelujah. We are told that in Ephesians and verse three. Let's go ahead and turn to that passage. Ephesians one and verse three says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Actually, the word places there was added. So we could say in heavenly or in the heavenlies in Christ. So the question is, what is the quantity of the blessings that we have in Christ? And the answer is all blessings. We have it all. What is the quality of these blessings? They are spiritual. In other words, they are not limited to this physical world. They actually transcend the physical world. Amen. And what is their locality? They are in heavenlies, in the heavenlies or heavenly places. And we can ask ourselves the question, well, how do we have these blessings if they are in the heavenly places and we are here in an earthly place? Yes, that's, that's a legitimate question. But you see, the Bible provides us the answer. The more we live in the heavenly place, the more the blessings we can have right now. Amen. Our life here is to be lived by faith in Christ. 
Hallelujah. The Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith. And this is what believers are actually called to do. That's why they call us believers. Believers believe. We take God at his word. So we see that we need, we need to see the more that the more earthly we are, the more worldly we get. Because what we be, behold is actually what we become. Amen. The most time, the more time we spend focusing on the things of the world, the more of the image of the world we take on and we live out. And the more attached we become to the things down here and the less our heavenly blessings that we can enjoy because they are in the heavenlies, amen. But you see, the more we learn to live in the heavenly places now, now that is, and seek the things that are above right now and let our mind dwell on where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, the more blessings we can have right now because we are living in the heavenly places even while we are right here on the earth. Amen. So God really wants us to be partakers of his divine nature. Praise God. The Bible tells us that in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it, which confirms to us the truth that we have been given all things. I'm going to read from uh, verses 3 and 4 of 2 Peter, which says, according as his divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Amen. I want us to know that we have been blessed with every blessing so that we can partake of God's divine nature and live in his kingdom of light, his kingdom that is free of darkness implying uh, the things that come from the kingdom of darkness. And what are some of these things? Uh, sin uh, and all the consequences of sin. We see things like sickness, poverty, depression, confusion, failure, etc. Well, we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature. Hallelujah, God's divine nature. So this is God's plan for us. You know, God is a spirit and he moves in the spiritual realm. 
and whether or not we see a physical manifestation of what he has done in the spirit realm is actually dependent upon what we believe and how we act on it now. Amen. You see, it's not up to the Lord, for example, to heal us because he has already done so. He has healed us already by his stripes. We were healed and we therefore are healed. What he has given us, he gave us, he gave us his miraculous power and enabled us to release that power in our life. Amen. And you see, this is the eternal truth uh, that will overcome the temporal situation that we are dealing with. Our total health and healing may not yet be seen in the natural realm, but we can see it with the eyes of our spirit. And the spirit realm, which is stronger, overrides the natural realm. You see, when God wants to create, he speaks spiritual words and the spiritual words created the heaven and the earth and all that we see. And he has called us to be like him in his image, see what he sees and speak what he speaks and create like he does. So the spirit realm always overrides the natural realm. And so our healing has already been provided. Financial prosperity has already been provided. Our joy and our peace and everything that we will ever need emotionally have already, they have already been provided. And if we are having um, a moment or a day where we feel down, where things are not going the way we would like them to, um, if we don't feel good, the truth of the matter is that we don't need to embrace the feelings that the enemy will try to deposit in our mind, such as discouragement, dis despair, and hopelessness. You see, we have that power to reject those thoughts, to take them captive, amen, using the spiritual weapons that God has given us. And, um, and understand that it's not a matter of trying to get God to move in our life, but rather it's a matter of us moving over into agreement with him and receiving what he has already provided for us, amen. And when we do that, we acknowledge the supremacy of the eternal things of God over the temporal things of this world. And we're actually declaring light in the darkness. And we demonstrate that the kingdom of darkness is expelled by the kingdom of light. Hallelujah. John chapter one and verse five says that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. 
In other words, it not only does there is no fellowship, there is no understanding between light and darkness, but the darkness can never overcome the light. Hallelujah. That's what the word comprehended means. Hallelujah. In the Greek, it does not understand and it does not, it cannot overcome. So you see, there is more going on than just what we can perceive with our five, five senses. Uh, there is more than just our soulish uh, emotional realm. But you see, this is where the enemy wants to lock us in, in that sphere, in that mode of relying on what we see with our and feel with our senses, amen. Um, but you, there is a spirit of the, inside each one of us. And we need to understand that th th there is a spiritual realm where God has already done his part. And if we don't relate to it properly, we are going to be, you know, taken advantage of by the enemy and we will miss out of what the Christian life has to offer us. Amen. So what we must do to avoid that is that we must use our authority. We must always be ready to use our authority and declare light in the darkness. And unfortunately, because Christians don't, you know, generally understand the authority that God has given us. Um, many Christians, if I, if not to say most, approach God as if they have no power or authority. Um, and yet, believers are anything but powerless. Hallelujah. And approaching life from a position of powerlessness is come. Well, it's completely contrary to everything that the word of God teaches us. That is why it's so essential for us to really get hold of the word um, of good teachings and be actually live a spirit-filled life. And um, only when we do that do we understand what authority means, amen. It means the right uh, and the power of attorney that we have to exercise God's power here on the earth. Uh, and we exercise authority to minister life to our own life and also to others in the name of Jesus. The authority has been given to us in the name of Jesus. And every born again believer receives this authority the moment he or she gets saved. Amen. And Jesus continues to prove this authority throughout the earth uh, in every generation um, through his, his people. Amen. Um, because he is no, he's not here on the earth. Uh, he's absent, uh, physically absent from the earth, but he works spiritually through believers. Hallelujah. We have his spirit. We carry his spirit in us. And God wants to rule the world through us. 
through his children and the authority invested in the name of Jesus commands obedience to his will. So we don't have to worry about how it's going to work out. If we take him at his word and use our authority, it will work because again, the name that we have been given commands obedience to his will from angels in heaven, from men and things on the earth and from Satan and demons of hell. Hallelujah. Uh, we are told that in Philippians chapter two, verses nine and 11. Amen. Uh, verses, Philippians two, verses nine and 11. We see that all Christians have this authority. Amen. Against the work of the devil. And it is our responsibility to put that authority and power to use. Look at what um, Philippians 2 verses 9 to 11 says. It says, wherefore God also has highly exalted him, that is Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so the authority invested in the name of Jesus commands obedience. And we have the authority. We ought to exercise that authority against the works of the devil. And God has actually told us that we have to resist the devil. Amen. Um, we know that we should. I mean, somebody is trying to hurt you, steal from you, know, from you destroy your life. Are we going to just stand there and take it? No, we ought to resist him. But the Lord told us, told us first that we are to submit to him, James 4, verse 7, and resist the devil and he will flee from us. Hallelujah. He will not go away if we don't resist him. And God is not going to do it for us. Amen. You know, for instance, uh, when, you know, the sun sets and, you know, darkness uh, natural darkness fall all over the place. We are in our house. Do we call the electric company to uh, turn you know, on the electricity for us or turn the light on for us? No. What we do is turn on the lights ourselves. We don't need to call the electric company. What all the company does is to supply the power but it's up to us to flip the light switch and put that power to use, amen. And this is exactly what has happened in the Christian's life. Jesus has done it all. He's given us everything that we need and then he's given us the authority of his name. So we must not deceive ourselves and think that God is going to do for us what he has given us the power and authority to do for ourselves. When we look at, for example, um, the very first chapter 
um, book of the Bible, first chapter, Genesis, Genesis 1 and verse 2, we see that God acknowledged that the earth was covered with darkness. But that was all. He didn't dwell on the darkness. It says that darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God went into action immediately. He began speaking the answer. We see that the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters once God saw that there was darkness. Amen. And in verse 3, we see that he applied the solution to the problem because verse 3 tells us that God says, light be and light was. Amen. Actually, God issued a command. The, you know, we are told in this, the Bible here, the way they, they wrote, they, um, they translated it, they, they, they interpreted to say that God said, let there be light. And there was light. When actually what God did was to issue a command. And God says, light be and light was. So he didn't, Jesus, I mean, God didn't speak about the darkness at all. Because he knew that the darkness of this world was temporal. But that the light of God was eternal. So he spoke the light in the midst of the darkness. And what this means for us, it means that as we apply this understanding to our life, we must not focus on the problems that are facing us. We must not focus on our weaknesses or our faults, amen, because all of that is temporal, but we are to focus on Jesus, hallelujah. Uh, we are to look at who we are in Christ Jesus, and that is eternal. Amen. You see, God has his part, and we have ours. On one hand, God does all the work of strengthening and making us new. And the responsibility the whole responsibility of actually manifesting what is eternal into this temporal world is his, it is not ours. We don't have what it takes to manifest what it is eternal into this temporal world. It is his power and his responsibility. But on the, and on the other hand, he, he, all he asks us, is to believe what he says and to speak what he tells us to speak in faith. Hallelujah. So he has his part and we have our part. And when the two are joined together, explosive power is released, demonstrating God's ability in our life. So God wants us to function exactly the way he himself does. So Let's not dwell and speak about the problem, whatever it is, but let's just thank God and declare the solution. And we can only see the solution with our spiritual eyes. Amen. Um, we're going to turn to uh, the book of Mark, Mark 11 and verse 23. We see here 
Jesus' instructions to his disciples. Amen. Um, speaking, and he says to them, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe what, that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Amen. Now, let's note how many times the word Seth appears in one sentence here. It appears three times. And so pretty much this whole passage is about believing and saying. We believe and therefore we speak. Hallelujah. Out of the abundance of your heart, the things that you believe you will speak. That's how human nature works. God designed it to work. And therefore, when we believe, we speak. And when we believe God's word, we must therefore be about confessing that word in faith. And we see that God's power is released through this faith that we have and the words that we speak. Amen. Jesus said here that whosoever shall say and believe the things he says, he will have whatever he says. Hallelujah. And this is a spiritual principle that we see here that is being applied. The fact that words are powerful. Amen. God, words are containers of power. In Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21, we are told that death and life is in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Amen. So death and life are in the power of the tongue. The miracle we are waiting for is in our mouth. If we would speak and not doubt. We have the name to represent Jesus. Hallelujah, to establish his will and purposes right here on the earth. And the heart of the matter is this. The things that we say are the things that we will eventually believe. And the things that we believe are the things that we will eventually receive. Therefore, Jesus gave us authority and he tells us that we are to use the words, our words in authority to bind and to loose things on the earth. 
Let's quickly turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples and he says to them, and I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So what we see here is that we have received, the church has received the authority of binding and loosing right here on the earth. Jesus gave it to us. We have the authority to bind what is bound in heaven and to loose what is loosed in heaven. And we must therefore ask ourselves, what is it that is bound in heaven? Well, everything that deals with sin and the curse that came along with it is bound in heaven. In heaven, there is no poverty. There is no sickness. There is no sorrow. There is no pain. And so we exercise that authority to bind those things here on earth through our prayers, through our declaration, we bind and we also have the power to loose. Amen. So what is it in heaven that we want to loose? Well, what is loosed in heaven is abundance, life, happiness, health, joy, peace, Hallelujah. And Jesus gave the born again Christian the authority to loose those things here on the earth. So we can use and we actually we are to use our words to bind and to loose. Our words are our bond. Our words are our authority here on earth. And therefore, we have a choice. What are we going to believe? Are we going to believe God's message of life or Satan's report, which is always about stealing, killing, destroying, in other words, death? What are we going to speak to say? What words are we going to use? Are we going to use words that speak about poverty? Or are we going to be speaking prosperity and wealth? What are we going to bind? We have to think about those things. It's part of our everyday life, every moment. Are we going to consider and speak sickness or are we going to speak health? And what are we going to be losing? Are we going to be losing faith or are we going to lo be losing fear? The spirit of the Lord is actually telling us that the time is here where we are going to have to 
choose, choose. And obviously, I believe that all of us would want to choose life so that we might live, amen. We can release the ability of God through the words of our mouth, or we can talk the problem and pray the problem and hold fast to the problem. And what happens, the problem becomes greater. And the more we focus on the problem, the more we end up speaking it, speaking it to others. Because again, the principle at work, there's a principle at work that out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. And so when we speak to others about the problem, soon the enemy will make sure that we've got a real problem. And what do I mean by this? Well, let's look at, um, we are in Matthew. Let's turn to Matthew 18 and verse 19. Look at Jesus's words in that passage, Matthew 18 and verse 19. Jesus says, again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my father, which is in heaven. Hallelujah. In other words, two people come together, you talk about something, you agree on that thing. The Bible says, is that, if that is your prayer, then you shall have whatsoever you have ask the father. But what we have to remember there is that we are fighting a spiritual battle, amen? And the enemy, he is very adept at creating situations that are putting people at a disadvantage if we are not careful. So, the door really swings both ways. And let me explain. Again, the Bible translates the word confess to mean this, to say the same thing. And as we know, God's word is his will, which can only come to pass in our life when we agree with and confess it. What we say matters in the realm of the spirit. And the passages we're going to look at uh, give us insight on why confession works. In other words, why the words that we say, why they work. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter one and verse 14. Hebrews 1.14 explains this. It's talking about angels. And it says, are they, the they refers to angels, because it goes back to the preceding verses, which we don't have time to read right now. But in your own time, go back and read these passages. It says, are they not all ministering spirits 
sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Amen. So we note here, number one, that angels are ministering spirits. Secondly, there are people here who are supposed to be heirs of, of salvation, that is, the believers. So we believers are heirs of salvation. And God's angels are here to minister to them. So in other words, I'm not saying that we pray to angels, but one of the ways that angels minister is to take the words we speak and cause or allow them to come to pass. I want you to please turn to Psalm 103 and verse 20. Psalm 103 verse 20, this is what it says. Bless the Lord, you his angels that excel in strength, that, listen this, do his commandments hearkening unto the voice of his word. Amen. So angels hearken, or that is, they obey the voice of God's word. Amen. So when we confess God's words, repeating it to ourselves, speaking it to others, declaring it in prayer, what is happening is that the ministry of the angels or the angelic ministry is activated. We are actually, it's as if we are issuing orders, issuing commands. And by authority of our words, which is the word of God, which is what they respond to, angels go to work on our behalf and cause the things that we say to come to pass. Amen. Consequently, if we end up speaking contrary to God's word, God's angels will not perform their ministry because their hands are tied by the negative confessions that they are hearing. And I don't believe many Christians understand this, that our words will either bind or lose the angelic ministry, which God himself has placed for our benefit. You know, Christians usually associate binding and loosing with uh, active spiritual warfare when, you know, when we are really all out into fighting the devil. But what we must realize is that regular conversation are actually declarations that we are making. Amen. And when we speak on things, for example, negative things like sickness and poverty or any kind of negativity, and we focus on these things, what we do is open ourselves to more spiritual warfare. How does that happen? Well, number one, as we just mentioned, God's messengers, that is the angels that God has uh, given us to us to help us, 
cannot work on our behalf. And secondly, we have used words belonging to the enemy's kingdom. And therefore we have given him and his cohorts legal access to our lives. What I'm saying here is, is, is that as, as God's words commands God's angels to work on our behalf, so do negative words open the door for evil spirits to use these negative confessions against us. That's what I mean when I say the door swings both ways. Do you believe that Satan would sit idle and not seize every opportunity given to him to work against us? John 10, 10 explains clearly his agenda. He only knows how to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Therefore, it's crucial for us to understand this, that if God's word is his will, then our word should be our will. We cannot be going around sitting and talking and making negative confession if that's not what we are wishing upon ourselves. We have to learn to discipline our tongues, discipline our spirit, our soul, so to carry only God's word inside of us. Yes, we can see what's happening outside. We can see the storm, but we don't need to allow the storm inside of us. We should never speak words that are not our will. They are not our words. Our will and our word are one. We have to remember that. And what we want for ourselves is God's will, which is God's word. So we should never let the enemy speak through us. And he does it too often, too much in the body of Christ. A perfect example of the power of our words can be seen in 2 Kings chapter 7. For lack of time, we will not go over the whole passage, but um, we are going to read maybe one or two verses. But to give you an idea, a background of what is happening there, it's the account of Israel that has been besieged by its enemies. And they are therefore unable to go out, look for food, uh, buy or trade or do anything. And they have come to a place where there are no resources in, left in the camp. The famine, there is famine all over the camp and the people are starving to the point where that some have resorted to cannibalism. They are eating human flesh. Actually, there is a woman who had killed her child uh, agreeing with another woman that when they were done with that, they would go ahead and kill the other person's child and they would eat. So we see the atmosphere of the place and the king was so distraught, didn't know what to do. But thank God, the Elijah the prophet steps on the scene and prophesies the Lord deliverance of his people. We see in 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 1, it says, Then Elijah said, 
Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Now let's look, continue and read verse two. Look what happens. Then a Lord, meaning an officer, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he, that is the prophet, said, behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but shall not eat thereof. Amen. In other words, you're going to see what I've said come to pass, but you, you won't be able to enjoy it. So as we continue to read this account, we see that God indeed delivered his people by causing a great fear to come upon the enemy soldiers and their whole army ran away, leaving everything behind. We read what issued when this deliverance of the Lord was discovered by the Israelites. Let's go ahead and jump to verse 17. It says, verse 17, and the king appointed the Lord on whose hand he leaned to have the charge of the gate and the people trod upon him in the gate and he died as the man of God had said, who spake when the king came down to him. Amen. So this verse here, verse 17, speaks again of the king's officer who voiced his doubts back in verse two. We see here the end of the matter. And what was it? God's people stormed outside the camp, and I believe it must have been more like a stampede to gather all that the enemy had left, which included, I'm sure, large quantities of food. And regrettably, in this chaos, the king's officer was trampled to death. So as the prophet had said, he did see, witness God's deliverance, but he didn't live to partake of it. He ended up reaping the words that he had spoken. Amen. So you see, in closing, we have to remember that we must never talk our problem, especially before people that believe in problems. There were a lot of naysayers in this world. What do we need to do if we really want to say something, we want to agree with someone, is to find someone that believes in solutions, amen, in answers from the word of God. Someone who will agree that the problem is removed. Actually, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 tells us exactly what to do. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. So Peter is telling us to let go, as the world says, and let God. Hallelujah. Let go of the problem and cast the whole of our care on the Lord. Take hold of the answer 
and hold fast to it until that is all that we can see. What I want you to notice here, that this verse does not say that we are to pray to God that he will take our cares away. Because God is not going to take them from us. What we are instructed to do is to get rid of them by casting all our care, not some, all your care upon him. He will not take them, but he will receive them. So if we're waiting for him to come and grab our problems away from us, we've got it wrong. It's time to arise and do what the word says. Cast them upon him and he will receive them. And once we've done that, we are to hold on to the confession of our faith and not to the problem. Hebrews 10, 23 tells us to do that. Let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. So really, you see, we have a choice. We can choose life or we can choose what the enemy has in store. We can choose to walk in God's light, to have his perspective, to walk in his ways, to make the right confession, or we can choose to walk in sense knowledge. That is, walk in what we think, what our emotions dictate. Uh, We can think the world's way and speak the world's way. It's our choice. And it's really up to us to decide whether we will allow God's messengers, the angels to do what he has assigned them to by us speaking God's word and making sure that no corrupt communication proceed out of our mouth. The Bible is God's word, and we give voice to it by speaking his word. So if we put God's word into voice, then the angels hearken unto our words. They will go about to cause the word that God spoke that we have taken and made our own. They will take these words and cause what we have said to come to pass. Psalm 107 and verse two says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So our faith-filled words will release God's presence and bring him on the scene on our behalf. We must learn to speak the answer to the problem. Therefore, we have to find the answer in God's word and start feeding it to the problem. And don't stop feeding it until we see 
God's manifestation happen in the natural realm. It's time that we learn to use God's system because it is life-giving. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you even now that because we believe we are possessors and we shall have what we see. We believe that when we, re- that we receive when we pray. So out of the abundance and the good treasure of our heart, our mouth calls forth the good things that we desire. And we bring them forth by our declarations. We decree that though the world may be negative and offer no solution, we confess that we are not moved by how things look or how bad we feel. We are moved, O oh Lord, by what we believe, what your word says. And Father, we believe that every issue is settled when we pray. So even now we speak life to our life, to every week and to every dead situation and circumstance that concerns us in our house. We command this situation to be gone, to be removed in the name of Jesus. We decree that the Lord will perfect that which concerns us. We shall live and not die. We shall experience the salvation of God in every area of our lives. And we shall declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. We thank you, Lord, that indeed people will see and know that there is a God in heaven who is involved in the affairs of his people. And Father, we thank you that this will be to the glory of your most holy name and for our own rejoicing. Lord, we praise you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I pray that this study has been a blessing to you. Go back and read pastor's devotional from Monday, I believe. Hallelujah. And the Lord will add more revelation to you. Well, God bless you. Have a good night and uh, come join us again next Wednesday at the same time. Again, good night.